found it. This is the Tidbits Podcast with Dale Lau and Matthew Paul. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. It is a Thursday. This is the 26th day of January. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Dale. I'm still having issues trying to dig out from all that snow. Mm. It, it was it was a whopper. <laughs> Let me tell you. What, what we got that? walloped. What was that? What was that all about? Hey, it was snow. And it, you know, I actually found a radar source. You yeah. know, when I was doing the uh, lunch program yesterday. And I was set it in motion and it tracked, and I actually said the uh, snow here in Logansport will end by four <laughs> because it, uh, you know, you could see it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it did. There you go. So I look like a look at that a professor. Look at you, professor look at of weather. You. So anyway, it didn't get near that bad, but uh, still, no, bad enough to create some delays this morning. We'll go through that in in a little bit. But we survived, and here we are. I noticed this. It's a giant blob of sea life. <laughs> okay. Just a blob. Washed up on Fort Myers Beach this past weekend, leaving people that walked by wondering just what the heck is it? The mass was about the size of a volleyball, not a, a tad bigger, according to one woman who snapped a picture of it. Hmm. The name of the blob is now called sea pork. Sea pork. <laughs> An expert says sea pork is what scientists call a colonial tunicate. It's a rubbery invertebrate animal that lives in the ocean. Oh, so it's a thing. Yeah. Wow. Sea pork, uh, they say, where does it uh, come from? From the rubbery, meaty texture. The sea pork's actually helping improve the water quality. Because it feeds on particles of the water and filters them out, making the water more clear. So we need to get some sea pork for like the local pool. It looks like a chicken breast. Yeah, like that's it looks like a chicken breast <laughs> just sitting on the beach, with like is that like a shell attached to it? What is that? Well, it's a claw. They say it looks like a claw. It is actually a shell. They say, according to the expert, the shell was anchored into the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico when the sea pork came floating by. It attached itself and grew around it. Oh. As Hurricane Ian came through, the storm's strength likely knocked the sea pork free. Mm. Now, the question is, if it's sea pork, can you eat it? Well, that's the next logical thing. Oh, well, that's good eating. Hey, can we fry that up? <laughs> is it... <laughs> that uh, is that good? Is <laughs> <Yeah>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, there are some edible forms of sea pork in East Asia. This isn't that type. No, oh. it says you wouldn't want to eat it. It doesn't taste like pork. It would strongly caution against eating anything you find on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just go around picking up random, <laughs> random sea things you find. Oh, this looks good. So there you go. There's such and a it's thing. like the size of a volleyball. Yeah, that is massive. There's no like, you know, perspective in this sh- picture yeah. as to how big it is. Just a blob. But if it's that, I, yeah. uh, who's question that uh, edible? Hey. <laughs> we can eat that, right? <laughs> what are you doing? 
There's always a question out of somebody. Can you eat it? I was uh, looking here. There's a trail camera set up to capture images of wildlife in Colorado. <laughs> it was hijacked by a bear that used the camera to pose for about 400 selfies. Wow. <laughs> Boulder Open Space and Mountain Park said a wildlife camera set up in a wooded area in November snapped 580 photos in one single night. Dang. They probably saw, oh, geez, fellas, look. <laughs> Rangers reviewing the photos found about 400 of them were bear selfies of a single Bruin. <laughs> the camera is one of nine set up around the city by Boulder Open Space and Mountain Parks to help officials and researchers learn about the area's diverse wildlife. Imagine there he is. Just, there he is again. <laughs> Just picture after picture after picture. <laughs> A cute little nice. fella. There's a whole corner of YouTube that's nothing but uh, like trail cams. No kidding. And stuff you can find on trail cams. It's pretty cool. I guess he just sat there. He must have realized it was doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Just sit there and get 400 shots. Right. <laughs> this, um, before we take a break, police in Kansas are investigating after a car was dragged, a car about eight miles while trapped under a semi. Eight miles. What? Police from several area agencies started receiving calls that a semi-truck driving westbound on the interstate was dragging a silver Kia underneath the edge of its trailer. Officers reached the truck driver six minutes later. The car driver, 28-year-old woman, was trapped under the rear passenger side of the trailer. Investigators believe the crash occurred when the truck was traveling through a green light from the exit ramp to get back onto the highway when the car slid through a red light and uh, then the car struck the trailer in front of the right rear wheel assembly. Now, if you're looking out your mirrors like you're supposed to driving, wouldn't you see it? <laughs> Is this guy just not using his mirrors? I don't know. You know I don't know. Well, the trucker told officers he didn't, didn't see, see anything <laughs> after the impact. I he felt, felt like an it was, impact. He was pulling to the right. I, don't, <laughs> I didn't think much of it. So he, he kept driving on the highway for about eight miles. <laughs> the woman driving was conscious, talking. And if, and if you're like pulling up on this as you're going down the highway, you see this. Do you try and get the driver's attention? Like, what do you <laughs> Well, he felt an impact. Okay, so that alone would tell you something's amok. I'll just keep driving. Time is money. <laughs> the woman was taken to a hospital for evaluation. Evidently, she was okay, but I wow. just... Now, talk about never seeing something like that on the highway. Right. And if you're the person in the car, like, geez. Can't imagine. By the way, before we take the break, here's a delivery guy. They've got uh, pictures of it, a video. He's a delivery guy with a McDonald's bag in a hand, in his hand, and a soda pop in the other. Okay. Trying to find the customer who uh, ordered. It was the reason for a brief stoppage Wednesday night during the Loyola-Chicago-Duquesne game. He walked right onto the court and into the center of action. <laughs> As if he was lining up and prepping to nail a three 
from the corner. Now, how are you that? The uh, TV commentary team says somebody came on the floor on the far side, I think. That's an Uber Eats sticker on the bag. (laughs) Uber Eats, yes. Was he going to deliver McDonald's to someone on the court? (laughs) He was seen walking minutes later in the area still in search of the customer, so it's pretty unlikely the food was warm. (laughs) Who orders McDonald's at a ball game? Who does that? And you and and if you're delivering it, like you'll just deliver it to a stadium. And you're walking out on the floor. You're you have no idea they're playing basketball. I mean, I guess that is one way around the high prices at, at sporting events. Just order your own food yeah. in. But think how far that guy's got to walk to even find the customer. Right. You know, it's like, man. And then to walk right on the basketball court. I can't believe the stadiums would allow that kind of delivery you know well after this Mm. (laughs) who knows it's over yeah we have a couple of messages and when we come back the question you know when you brush your teeth Mm -hmm. most of us are in the bathroom right right well when we come back we'll give you a reason not to oh no all right so stick around (sighs) tidbits will return this is tidbits Well, we've at least made it to Thursday of the week. Just a single work day to go for many of you, so good luck. And be careful driving. It could still be slippery out there. We can still have, you know, the colder temperatures and stuff like that. So right. just slow down, be careful. Here's a dentist from Florida that uh, says, of course, many of us brush our teeth in the bathroom. They're uh, brushing their teeth, he says, with food. Uh, poop, I should say, of particles, course. without even realizing it. Let's, let's take a listen. Everyone needs to know this about their toothbrush. Mm. If you can see your toilet and your toothbrush in the same vision without moving your head, there's a 99% chance you have fecal matter on your toothbrush. Aerosols from the toilet spray up in the air, and they get everywhere, including on your toothbrush. Oh, gee. Good grief. It's time to brush your teeth. We've known this for a long time, right? Like, yeah. this is not anything new. No, not really, but I like to remind folks. Well, thanks, Dale. The uh, dentist often shares tips on TikTok and recently went viral after he claimed that a lot of toothbrushes are actually covered in tiny bits of fecal matter. Mm-hmm. So, remember that. Actually, I put a covering on mine, you know, like the travel cover that you put on your toothbrush? Yeah. I keep that on mine. So, you know. Nice. Fecal matters on the outside, not on my toothbrush. Ours are in a cabinet. We keep ours in a... We actually have this little cabinet behind the toilet that the door shuts to, right? Yeah. And then we each have our own cup with our toothpaste, like toothbrush. Okay. And our own toothpaste. So we don't even have to share toothpaste. So everybody's got their own. We got our own toothpaste and toothbrush. It's It's like a little barracks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they're all lined up there on the, uh, the little cabinet. So hopefully, folks will uh, keep that in mind if that stuff bothers you. So Again, if fecal matter can if, <laughs> go through a cabinet door, then I guess. But it's like you know, I, we've talked before, Matthew, like going to a restaurant or anything. If you, you think about it, you to, will never step yeah, foot out of your house again. You just won't. You just won't. Now this says that a high-fat diet and junk food rewires the brain. It reduces our ability to regulate appetite. 
appetite, I'm sorry, I thought it was a different spelling, Mm. and regulate calorie consumption. The experiments in rats (laughs) found the cells called, oh, why do I run into this stuff? Astrocytes control the chemical pathway to the gut. However, the study suggests that continuously gorging on fatty, sugary products disrupts that link. Mm. The discovery could open the door to an anti-obesity pill that targets the neurons in the brain. Wow. So basically, once you start eating the stuff, you just like that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all you want. That's the basic explanation right Pretty there. Pretty much, yeah. 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 The CDC estimates that over 40% of U.S. adults are obese. 40%. That is a large number. Literally. Raising the risk of cardiovascular but come, disease okay, and type 2. Okay, let's back that up a bit. Okay, okay, all right. Their terms for obese are pretty, come on. No, are they? They're pretty... Are they? Yes. Yes. Really? (laughs) Now, what are the guys? Do you know them? I can't remember. You've got your computer handy. I'm not going to look it up. But I know, like... Like it, it's basically what weight you should be at. Okay. All right. For your height and so, so for forth. your height yeah. and all that stuff. So okay. the weight you should weigh yeah. is probably what? Probably one seventy five. Yeah. So I'm over one seventy. And at the amount I'm over, I'm obese. You're obese. Yeah. I graduated high school. I was eighteen years old. And I was two hundred and fifteen, two fifteen, something yeah. like that. I look like a stud back then. Yeah. Man. Like yeah. a stud. But. I was obese. I still am. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't, you know, 40%, though, that's a high figure. At least we can say we're overweight. I don't know that we. Now, there are some people, of course, they call that morbidly. Oh, morbidly. You're, you could die any obese, day. Obese, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, it's just, we've, we've grown. There's no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt. But, you know, and, and we should be slimmer. We should be. But uh, well, you know we're not. But you but you need to try. <laughs> this, um, according to Google, they announced last week they were firing twelve thousand people. That's the first thing you want to hear in the new year. Yeah. Oh boy! Hey, guess what? The uh, latest tech company to cut back due to a slowing economy, and according to regulatory filings, among the gigs being eliminated. 27 in-house massage therapists. They'll be gone. What? <laughs> Aww. 24 in the Bay Area. How can they possibly get any work done? <laughs> and three in Southern California. So company workers will not have to get by without regular massages. Seriously, they offer that. Because <laughs> that used to be the place to kind of work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Massages. Yeah. <laughs> Well, here we go. <clears throat> you know a company is too like too rich, I guess, when they have 27 on-staff massage therapists just for the employees. 12,000 employees being let go. Yeah. That's that's a lot. There's a lot. So the numbers are going to start skewing, you know, because we've had good unemployment figures. You know, but now you got to believe with the way things are going, there's a lot of especially of that industry that are getting ready people. So this says that workers in the U.S. of A just aren't that happy. 
A Gallup survey finds that only 32% of employees said they were actively engaged at work or feeling passionate about their job. That's down from a high of 36% just a few years ago in 2020. 18% were actively disengaged. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the highest (laughs) that rate's been in nearly a decade. Which is where you've been for the last 20 years. Yes, I've been actively disengaged (laughs) before the term ever came. Because that term didn't exist. Uh, no, it didn't. You know? No, it didn't. Unhappy. <laughs> That's what we call sick and tired. <laughs> now it's actively disengaged. <laughs> it says unhappy workers blamed their grumpiness on poor communication, changing mandates around remote work, and potential layoffs. Hmm. Workers under the age of 35 reported the least amount of engagement at work. See, it's the old folks and the punks. Okay, that's <laughs> <laughs> old folks and the punks. One crucial move that managers can make to improve engagement is holding simple one-on-one meetings with each direct report. One recent study found they led to a 54% increase in engagement. I don't want that. I don't want to have to meet with the. <laughs> Who wants that? Yeah. You don't want to sit down and have a one-on-one? No. All right, so what are you working on, Dale? What are, you, what are your projects right now? What are your goals? Who wants that, what are your What are your goals? What are your visions for the next year? What do you, where do you see? Where do you want to take this show over the next six months? That's what it would be. That's what it would be. Yeah. I, I can't do that. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that disengaged. You know, I... You know, I'm I'm okay. I'm still putting in a good uh, a good week. Right. You know, I used to be at a place. I used to work at a place that that did that. So we had we had staff meetings, and then we had individual meetings, and then we had another individual meeting, and it's like it was kind of to the point where it's like I can't get anything done because we're constantly meeting. Isn't that going to disengage you more? It did. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I just why, why are we talking yeah. so much? I just, that's too, you know. You know, I think, you know, you and I, for instance, we do fine working on our own. We do fine on our own. We know our particular assignments and we do them. Mm-hmm. And we do a fine job of it. There you go. In my opinion. Okay. That's... <laughs> I had bunker reports yesterday. Okay. Bunker reports. All right. From the, <laughs> from the Iron Horse Broadcasting Remote Winter storm yes, bunker location. That's right. Yesterday just never did, uh, never developed, did it? I was, I really thought, I don't know, I, I kind of thought we'd have more, more yeah. like cancellations. Businesses of, jump on. Not yeah. really businesses, oh. but just like, you know, activities yeah, and yeah. meetings. And it never really happened. Like no, it never really. Just, I, I went out around 3 30, 4 ish. Yeah. And the roads weren't bad at no, all. I mean, no, came no. into some slushy spots, but yeah, it yeah. nothing. It certainly never should have been issued as a storm warning. I Yeah, I would agree with that. It just never got no. there. Here's an animal shelter in Tennessee. They're hoping social media will help them find the owner of a dog that was left behind with a heartbreaking note. It was attached to the dog's collar. 
The note, which was posted by the McKamey Animal Shelter in Chattanooga, along with a photo of Lilo, Lilo, states that the owner could no longer care for the dog. The note says, please love me. My mom can't keep me and is homeless with two kids. She really loves me, and I'm a great dog, and I love to be loved on. The shelter shared the letter with a note saying it's hoped to reunite Lilo and her family with help to find them. Their Facebook post read, We want you to know she's safe. We'll take the very best care of her. She'll be loved by our staff and volunteers. We'll keep her name, and we promise you we will do our best to find her a wonderful new home. But if you're reading this, we hope you'll come forward to reclaim her. We'll help you with whatever you need to care for to the best of our ability. Lilo definitely misses you, and we would like nothing more than to see her go back to the family she loves. Wow. Either way, please know that we understand, will not judge, and we're here to help in any way we can. So there you go. That's a heart, you know, it is terrible. Just terrible. Yeah, it is. Now, here's a question for you. Okay. New poll asking many Americans. Okay. Are you willing to lie to your potential employer about everything from your education to your references in order to get the job? Can't they? <laughs> Don't we also live in a time where they can easily just figure you out? I mean. Remember a few years ago, these coaches were getting popped for false information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was at blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. No, Notre Dame had a dude. Remember yeah. Notre Dame? It was, uh, yeah. gosh, that was, he had like an Irish. It was like O'Malley, right? Yeah. <laughs> He was coach of Georgia Tech or something. Yeah. Fibbed. He was Fibbed, a fibber. Yeah. yeah. Says nearly six in ten people say rising costs and inflation would motivate them to lie on a resume. What are you going to lie about? Like, <laughs> I'm a team player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm completely engaged in my job. <laughs> now, surely the, the term team player is gone from everybody's vocabulary, isn't it? I, is it? Because everybody, you know, they, well, I'm a team player. The survey reveals 55% of American workers already lie on their resume at least once in their life. For context, that means up to 42.5 million people <laughs> may have lied to get a new job in 2022, that year alone. Wow. Although more than 50, more men, 59% admit to lying for their new job, over half the women, 50.6 surveyed, said the same. Remember we had a dude that worked here that he claimed to be from a bigger market, and it was like this tiny, small town that was like down the road from, it'd be like, it'd be like saying, yeah, I worked in the indie market, but you were really, you know, you're really working in like columbus you know that's it's kind of like it was sort of and like his that. talents proved that he was uh, fibbing yeah we had, okay we had some of that <laughs> but I like to, i mean i mean do you lie about what your responsibilities were you know like oh i led a team of 15 yeah. that revamped the blah 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 you know i don't you know of course i've not made very many resumes but i've never lied i was gonna say i don't think i have either you know like, it's just i just don't have any reason to hmm. It says uh, workers are getting creative with their resumes. 72% looking for work in the manufacturing industry lie to employers. Healthcare workers, 64%. 
And those seeking a job in the creative arts, 63% followed closely behind. They're all fibbing. <laughs> They're all fibbing about something. I've sent my, when I was when I was first starting out in this business, I would send my, my resume to radio stations that I thought might be cool to work at. Never heard back from anybody. Yeah, ever. yeah they just don't. Yeah. You know, it says here that it uh, turns out many Americans are making up previous employers. Seriously? <laughs> Do you not check? You know, really, if you're thinking about it and this person meets your criteria, it appears to, are you right. going to check? And I know many do. Surely many past, you know, you contact the other employee uh, employer, don't you, just to see. Do you? You know, was Hot Sapple a good guy? <laughs> <laughs> or is that what the references are for? I know, you, know, you know, yeah. One in six confessed to using a fake job reference service, using fake employers and paid actors to convince companies they have prior work experience. That's a thing? So that's like you using me. That's a... Well, yeah, Matthew's a fine, fine fellow. (laughs) I've never met a better man. (laughs) Yeah. Research discovered it's even possible to buy a fake college degree... And an impressive-looking transcript online. Wow. Sellers often list these fakes as novelty items and charge people roughly 270 bucks. So see, while you're on the talking with a face-to-face online, yes, you can have that in the background. They hang it in the background, yeah. yeah. Two of five have been less than truthful about their days in school. I've never, you know... I, I admit it. I spent five years in a two-year institution and never got anywhere. There you go. <laughs> I was a fifth-year senior. I, I graduated from, you can see behind me here, I graduated from Safner. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. People are fibbing on their interviews. Wow. And it says, is lying in a job interview a crime? And it says the short answer is yes. <laughs> so... And we've seen it. Now, nobody was prosecuted that were fibbing about these coaching gigs. Right, right. But it's like, you know, the, we went through several of those. Mm-hmm. So there you go, Matt, some tidbits. I don't understand. Like, what's the point? Like, just... I, I guess the job market, you know, was... And what's going to happen? You're going to get a job that you're not qualified to do and you're unprepared to handle. <laughs> How long are you going to last? And you never say anything. <laughs> He just sat there. You just sit there. <laughs> well, uh, I thought you knew how to do it. Well, I'll, I'll work on it after lunch. <laughs> this is a different system than we used. <laughs> right, right. So there you go, some tidbits on this Thursday. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. All right. Good luck to you. See ya. This has been Tidbits with Dale Lau and Matthew Paul. We appreciate you listening, and we ask that you consider subscribing, leave a comment, leave a like, and thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you again next time on Tidbits.